are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights about today's readings with others who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria Bagrida. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 277, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 1, Paragraphs 1 through 5. Book 1, Part 3, Book 7. How the Divine Right Hand showered upon the Queen of Heaven highest gifts, in order that she might labor in the Holy Church, the coming of the Holy Ghost, the copious fruit of the redemption, and the preaching of the apostles, the first persecution of the church, the conversion of St. Paul, and the arrival of St. James in Spain, the apparition of the Mother of God in Saragossa, and the founding of the pilgrimage of Our Lady of the Pillar. Chapter 1. Our Savior Jesus remains seated at the right hand of the Eternal Father, while the Most Holy Mary descends from heaven to the earth, in order that with her assistance and instruction the new church might be founded. 1. In finishing the second part of this history, I showed how our great Queen and Lady, Most Holy Mary, was privileged by God to be miraculously present in body at two places, in the Seneca, as well as in the Empyrean Heavens, where she was seated at the right hand of her Son and Eternal God. Psalm 44.10 how in order to make his glorious ascension more wonderful, the Son of God and of the Virgin took her with him for the purpose of putting her in possession of the ineffable rewards she had until then merited, and to assign her the place which, for her past and future merits, he had prepared for her from all eternity. I said also that the three persons of the Most Blessed Trinity left it to the free choice of the Heavenly Mother, either to return to the world for the consolation of the first children of the church and for its foundation, or permanently to establish herself, even then in the most blessed state, and remain in the possession of the great glory they had conferred upon her. For conditional to her choice and in her pursuance of the great love, they had for this peerless creature the will of the divine persons inclined toward retaining her in the abyss of their glory and not to restore her to the banished children of Adam upon the earth. In a certain sense, justice seemed to demand this, since the world was already redeemed by the passion and death of her son, toward which she had cooperated in all plentitude and perfection. Death had, in her, no further claims, 
not only because she had suffered its pains and that of Christ our Savior, as explained by me in its place, but also because the great lady never was tributary to death, nor the demon, nor to sin, and therefore was not subject to the common law of the children of Adam. Hebrews 9.27 According to our mode of thinking, the Lord desired that she, without dying like the other, should pass by another kind of transition, from the state of pilgrimage to that of comprehension, from mortality to immortality, and that she should not suffer death upon the earth, who, while remaining upon it, had committed no fault to merit death, for the Most High could have passed her from one state into the other in another way. 2. Against this, however, stood the charity and humility of this admirable and sweetest mother, for her love urged her to come to the assistance of her children, and to seek the manifestation and exaltation of the name of the Most High in the new evangelical church. She desired also to gather into the faith many faithful followers by her solicitation and intercession, and to imitate her children and brethren by dying upon the earth, though by reason of her sinlessness she owed no such tribute. Romans 6.23 In her vast wisdom and admirable prudence she knew how much more precious it is to merit her reward and crown than to possess them gratuitously in advance, even if they happen to be those of eternal glory. Her wisdom and humility were not without their present reward. For the Eternal Father made known to all the courtiers of heaven, at the same time, both his own desires, and the choice of Most Holy Mary for the good of the militant church, and for the succor of the faithful. All the inhabitants of heaven then began to know what it is, but just that we should know also on earth. Namely, that as we are told by St. John the Eternal Father, so loved the world, as to give not only his son for its redemption, John 3.16, but also his daughter, the Most Holy Mary, sending her from her glory to build up the church, which Christ, its artificer, had established. And in like manner, and for the same purpose, the Son delivered up his most loving and beloved mother, and the Holy Ghost his sweetest spouse. To this must be added another circumstance, enhancing this blessing, namely, that it followed closely upon the injuries which Christ our Redeemer received in his passion, and frightful death, making the world altogether unworthy of this benefit. O infinite love, O immense charity, how evident is it become that the multitudinous waters of our sins cannot extinguish thee. Canticle 8, 7. 3. After Most Holy Mary had remained in heaven for three entire days, and had enjoyed in body and soul the glory of the right hand of her Son and true God, she departed with the benediction of the Blessed Trinity from the highest Empyrean and returned according to her desire to this nether world of the earth. God ordered an innumerable multitude of angels selected from all the choirs and from the highest seraphim nearest to his throne to accompany their queen. She was enveloped in a cloud or a globe of the most resplendent light, which served her as a couch or reliquary in which she was borne downward by the seraphim. The beauty and exterior splendor in which this heavenly queen came to the earth can never be compassed by the human mind and mortal life. And it is certain that no living creature could have looked upon her in merely natural powers without losing its life. On this account, it was necessary that the Most High should hide her refulgence from those that saw her until the splendors of her beauty should have moderated. St. John the Evangelist alone was privileged to see the queen in the full redundance of the divine glory which she had enjoyed. The immense beauty of this magnificent queen and mistress of the heavens, as she descended from the throne of the Blessed Trinity, can easily be understood when we consider how the face of Moses, 
after having spoken with the Lord and received the law on the mountain, shone with such light, and the Israelites could not bear it or look upon his face. We are not informed that the prophet saw the divinity face to face, and if he saw it, his vision of God certainly did not approach the least to that enjoyed by the mother of God. 4. The great lady arrived at the cenacle as a substitute of her divine son in the new evangelical church. In the gifts of grace which she had received for this ministry, she showed such a plenitude and abundance that she excited the wonder of the angels and the astonishment of the saints, for she was a living image of Christ our Redeemer and Master. Beneath the globe of light in which, unseen, she arrived in the cenacle, she was restored to her natural existence insofar as to be thenceforward present only in that place. Immediately the mystery of holy humility prostrated herself to the ground, and abasing herself to the dust, said, Most High God and my Lord, behold this vile worm of the earth, acknowledging itself formed from it. Genesis 2.7 And coming from nothingness to this existence, which I hold through thy most liberal clemency, I acknowledge also, O highest Father, that the ineffable condescension without any merits of mine has raised me from the dust to the dignity of being the mother of the only begotten. From my whole heart I praise and exalt thy immense goodness in so favoring me. In gratitude for such great blessings, I offer myself to live and labor anew in this mortal life, according to all the decrees of thy divine will. I consecrate myself as thy faithful servant and as the servant of the children of the church. All of them I present before thy immense charity and implore thee from my inmost heart to look upon them as their kindest God and Father. For them I offer up the sacrifice of being deprived of thy glory and peace, and of having chosen of my own free will suffering rather than joy, denying myself the vision of thee in order to perform what is so pleasing in thy sight. 5. The holy angels that had come with the queen took leave of her to return to heaven, congratulating the earth for again possessing as its inhabitants their great queen and lady. I wish to mention that while I wrote of this, the holy princess asked me why I did not more frequently call Mary the queen and mistress of the angels, and they told me not to neglect the use of that title in the balance of this history, since they derived such great delight therefrom. In order to obey and please them, I shall use it many times from now on. But returning to our history, we must take notice that the Heavenly Mother, during the first three days after her descent from heaven, remained much withdrawn from earthly things, still lingering in the overflow of the joy and admirable influences of her triduum of glory in the heavens. Of all mortals, the evangelist St. John alone had cognizance of this mystery, for in a vision he had seen the great Queen of Heaven ascend with her divine Son, and had also seen her descend in her glory and graces for the enrichment of the Church. Two days he remained, as it were, entranced, and suspended an admiration at this extraordinary mystery. Knowing that his most holy mother had descended from on high, he desired to speak to her, but dared not presume. This concludes our reading today for day number 277. We've been reading from volume 4, book 7, chapter 1, paragraphs 1 through 5. Mary returns to earth after her vision of heaven, of seeing her son on the throne. She desired also to gather into the faith many faithful followers by her solicitation and intercession, and to imitate her children and brethren by dying upon the earth, though by reason of her sinlessness she owed no such tribute. To gather into the faith many faithful followers by her solicitation. 
as a follower of Jesus, rest assured that Mary is praying for you, that she wants you to be a follower of her son. And then she intercedes for us. Again, that age-old prayer we say, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. And then we get a glimpse to the future and to imitate her children and brethren by dying upon the earth. It seems that Maria of Agreda in our reading is going to put forward that Mary dies. As Maria of Agreda writes about Mary being in heaven, Mary ascends to the angels. She's there. She sees them. And then that moves her as she hears the angels, as they say, Mary is our queen. Call her the queen and mistress of the angels. The angels enjoy being called servants of our Lord and our Lady. And if the angels request Maria of Agreda to do this because they enjoy being servants of Our Lady, how much more precious is it that we are her children and that we can call her our mother, that she is the queen and mistress of the human race, the queen of heaven and earth, the one who is praying for all of us. We are her children and should delight in being called such and addressing her as our mother. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.